and welcome to The Woods, a podcast about the mysterious, the legendary, and the plain weird. Because you never know what you'll find in the woods. I think I'm Shazney. And I for sure know I'm Sandy. Oh, that's that's good. Cause I At least one sure of us knows what's happening. Ha- okay. Well, I mean, not that I know what's happening, but I do know my name. Okay. That's a start. Alright. Yeah. Okay, so I'm still Shazney. I think so. Okay. Good to know. First thing I need to address, is this some sort of sick joke? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you. You with the headphones. Is that what you're listening to us through? I don't know. But Actually, anyway. they're listening to us through Alexa and Google Home. Our listeners oh. are really high tech, I think. Hey, Google! Every time I do that, I, yeah, my phone goes off. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Mine didn't go off. Hey, Google. But you don't have Hey, Google. Yes, I do. What? Hold on, let me try. Don't you have... I don't know. Hey, Google? Yeah, there it goes. Oh, cool. Dope. Anyways. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, is this some sort of sick joke you're trying to play on us? May I just say, on Monday, we got 41 downloads in 24 hours. You know how many emails we got? Zero. Yeah, I'm just going to assume that since we're like a few thousand kilometers away, it's just taken a long time for your emails to get to us. Wow. Okay, Shazley's super bitter. I would like to give a shout out to a few podcasts. So, I'd like to give a shout-out and a thanks to the Bumblebutt Podcast. They are a true crime podcast, and they shouted us out in one of their Instagram tweets. Also, one of the hosts, Jordan, he has a band, and uh, they're they're really good. If you're a metalhead like me, you'll probably yeah. enjoy his band. I listened to their episode about uh, Elizabeth Bathory. Oh, yeah? I, yeah, it was really good. I, I was listening to their Marianne Cotton. It was a two-parter, mm. and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I started it. Yeah. But I haven't finished it yet. Super interesting. Mm-hmm. Lots, of, lots of arsenic. Uh, I'd also, I would also like to give a shout-out to Allie and Paula at Undercover Coven. They are Latin American, like me, so it was super exciting, because they Ooh. do talk about uh, Chilean and Latin American folklore, so check them out if you're into that. If you liked our Chupacabra story... You will like their first episode. And they're so nice. Yeah, they are really nice. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, one of them's in Canada. I can't remember which one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, also, let us know what part of Canada you live in. Because yeah. we, like, like, I don't know, meet we'll up. We'll wave at you. Yeah, we'll wave at you from Saskatchewan. Everyone in Canada knows each other. Exactly. Like, we just drive over. We're all friends here. We'll just ride our polar bears and come over and knock on your igloo door. Yeah. Canada. We'll have some tins. We'll bring some maple syrup, too. <laughs> uh, another podcast, uh, Creep It Real podcast from Texas. Ooh. So we do have to bring up our accents that we didn't know we have. Yeah. And what's funny about this is uh, I was telling Ian about this, and he's like, well, aren't you technically Texan? Like, I was born in Houston. And then I said, yeah, I guess, but if I were to go back to Texas right now, they'd be like, like, hell, you're Texan. <laughs> they'd be like, you're Canadian, so I'll, I don't know, I'll take what I can get. That's so funny. And then the last one is, what's blood got to do with it? Uh, they are also incredibly sweet and nice, and uh, 
they have a good show. So if you like our podcast, you'll like these four podcasts. So thank you guys. Go uh, we appreciate hit you. them up. Email them. Like them on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe to them. And also hit us up on Instagram and Twitter. Maybe email. No biggie. Um, just no biggie. You don't have saying. to. But. No, you don't have to. Putting it out there. Also, my birthday is in two days. You know what I would love to get from you? A lovely email. How was your day? <laughs> <sighs> well, I took a bunch of grade twos skating and nobody died. So that was like... That's an achievement. That is an accomplishment for me. I love... Like, I did great. That so were you really there by yourself with a bunch of grade um, twos? No, there was an intern in that class. She's oh, super okay. helpful. That was good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, here's my dedication to this pod. It was so foggy out. I couldn't see anything on the highway. But there I was, cruising along at the speed limit because everybody else was going super freaking slow. (laughs) Like, so what? You can't see anything? Big deal. Big deal. Go the speed limit. Yeah, don't be slow. You're in my way. Yeah, so uh, that was my dedication to this pod, that I am here tonight, um, and hopefully I make it back home. I believe in you. Thank you. Oh, uh, also another sad update from The Zone. Uh, No Starbucks this week, but to be honest, who do you think we are? Some sort of, like, rich millennials? We're not. We're the normal kind. The really (laughs) poor ones, but with student debt. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I have not graduated yet. I will graduate, hopefully, at the end of this year. So I have no money, and my birthday's coming up, so that should tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, we made some delicious hot chocolate at Sandy's house. I mean, in the studio. <laughs> yeah, not my kitchen whatsoever. Yeah, we're not in the kitchen. Ever. <laughs> Never. Sandy, how's your week going? Uh, it's been a week. I'm trucking along. I've been pretty stressed lately, uh, but I have made progress in my 10-page book review for my sociology class, which is, like, kind of weird because my professor doesn't want it to be a book review, but he calls it a book <laughs> review. Then what is it? <laughs> it's just a annoying paper I have to write That's about so r- a rural life. Is it about a book? book. Yeah. Okay. I am... I'm writing it on this book that takes place in northern Mexico, and they mention all of the places, like, that I have family from. So that's been pretty cool, and it's also been nice that I can talk about my own personal experience. Yeah. And not have to use too many resources, because it's me talking. Do you get to, like, quote yourself in, like, the bibliography thing? I don't know, but maybe I will, just to be like, fuck you. That would be so funny. I'm gonna do it. Just a huge thank you for listening to us. Um, yeah, we really appreciate. We love all of you. Sandy and I like sat on the like on our computers all day on Monday, just seeing the numbers go up, and we're like, "What the hell? Who is listening to us? We don't know anybody." <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening to us, email us, and we will get to know you, and not like in a creepy way, but in a friend way. Uh, send us your like creepy stories like if you have any ghost stories or anything like urban legends from where you're from or whatever the hell you want to tell us send it to us you could tell us about your day and we'd be really pumped about it yeah sandy can you give me a good spookin today yes i'm actually really excited about 
my topic. I, um, I didn't know of this story beforehand, and for some reason, I wanted to make sure, and that's why we drank it and cover it before I did. Oh, yeah. Just because, like, I listened to all of them, and I don't want to feel like I'm copying them. Mm-hmm. But they haven't done it yet, which is kind of surprising, because this case is so scary and just so bizarre. So, today, I'm going to be talking about the murder of Dorothy Jane Scott. Uh, so, Dorothy Jane Scott was born on April 23rd, 1948, and she disappeared on May 28th, 1980, in Anaheim, California. At the time, she was a 32-year-old uh, single mother of a four-year-old boy. So, Dorothy and her son lived with her aunt in Stanton, California, which is about a 20-minute drive north of Anaheim, uh, where her parents lived and where she worked as a secretary at Swinger Psych Shop and Custom John's Head Shop. So she worked at like places that sold like lava lamps and crystals, kind of all that new age stuff. Uh, so her parents often babysat her kid as she worked. So she'd just drive into Anaheim, drop her kid off, and then head to work. She was a devout Christian. Apparently, she didn't drink, she didn't do any drugs, and she didn't date. Her family said that she'd go on, like, the occasional date, but it was never anything steady. Mm-hmm. Um, so as was said, she vanished in 1980 in Anaheim. On that evening, she dropped her kid off at her parents and headed to a staff meeting. At the staff meeting, she noticed that one of her coworkers looked sick and there was a large red streak on his arm that looked like it was swelling, so she was concerned, so she drove him to the hospital and it was at the hospital that they found out that the coworker had actually been bitten by a black widow spider, hmm. uh, which I always found super terrifying. When I lived in Maryland, they were everywhere, and I was always so scared I'd be outside and I'd, like I'd step on one or something. Like I would like watching them because I thought they were like pretty spiders, but I've watched too many documentaries and I thought like if I get bitten by one, I'm gonna die. Isn't it just the females that? Yeah. Yeah. So. Before arriving to the hospital, Dorothy went back to her parents' house to check on her son. I guess she thought her co-worker wasn't that seriously in danger, that she had time to check on her son. But while she was there, she was wearing a red scarf and she changed into a black one, which becomes important later. Oh, wait, no, yeah, she was wearing a black scarf and changed to a red one, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, while her co-workers were waiting for a prescription to be given to the one co-worker that got bit, Dorothy went outside to bring her car around to meet them. So they saw the car, the car approached them, but then it sped away, and neither co-worker could tell who was driving since the headlights blinded them. They then reported her missing about two hours after not hearing from her. The police, of course, told them there was no reason for alarm, as they do. Uh, but several hours after that, Dorothy's car would be found abandoned and set on fire in an alley about 10 miles away. There were no, no signs of Dorothy, and the police finally took it seriously and began investigating. So things got weird before this abduction happened and before the car was found completely burnt. So months before this had happened, uh, Dorothy had been receiving creepy phone calls from this anonymous man. She told her mother that she recognized the voice, but she couldn't like place it to like a face or a name. Uh, the caller often told Dorothy uh, of his love and devotion towards her, but also told her how he was going to kill her. What? Yeah. The man had also uh, 
been stalking her, and he proved it by providing accurate details of her everyday life. Why? Just Jesus, don't. Please. Just, just don't. Please stop. Uh, her mother, Vera, said that once Dorothy received a call to go outside because he had a present for her, Dorothy went outside and found a dead rose on the windshield of her car. And, like, obviously this would be horrifying, yeah. but when I think of a dead rose, I think of my emo phase oh, in yeah. high school, and I'm like, ah, oh, dead roses. That's the scary part of the story. I think so. It reminds <laughs> me of our emo phase. Relatable. Yeah. That we have failed to grow out of. But anyways. MCR. Oh, MCR for life. Uh, Vera also said that there was this one phone call that freaked her daughter out so much. The man called and told Dorothy that he would get her alone and cut her into pieces so that no one would ever find her. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, because of these phone calls, Dorothy considered buying a handgun, and I would too. Yeah. And a week before her disappearance, she started taking karate lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Some self-defense classes, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, Dorothy's body was not discovered until four years later on August 6, 1984. A construction worker discovered human bones and dog bones laying side by side about 30 feet from Santa Ana Canyon Road. Why a dog? I don't know. Like, it's never brought up. I don't know if she had, like, been killed with a dog, if a dog had died in that location, and this person dumped her body there. This is so weird. Yeah. Uh, the bones were partly charred, and authorities said that they had probably been there for about two years, because within two years there was, like, a forest fire, so they think that's why her bones were burnt. Uh, along with the bones, police also found a turquoise ring and a watch. Okay, so, wait, they think that, okay, because she went, she disappeared four years ago. Yeah. But they said it's only been two years? Yeah, they said, they thought it, it, they've been there two years. And their reasoning was because of, like, some sort of fire. That's weird. Yeah. Um, the watch that they found had stopped at 12.30 a.m. on May 29th, 1980, about an hour after Dorothy's co-worker saw her car. So on August 12th of 1984, the bones were officially identified as Dorothy's using dental records. However, the autopsy could not determine her cause of death because the bones were so charred. Okay, so her watch stopped, like, right after she disappeared? Yeah, it's not weird. What? I don't know if it had been, like, a a sign-off from the murderer, maybe? Like a fuck you. Who even thinks of that? Like, oh, this watch. I'm just going to set a time and stop it. Well, this guy is obviously I mean, completely yeah. psycho. True. So, uh, about a week after Dorothy had disappeared, her parents received phone calls from an unidentified man who would say, I've got her, and then hang up. Uh, this man would call her parents every Wednesday afternoon and said that he either had Dorothy or had killed her. So he was like, I've got her or I've killed her. Mm-hmm. Um the calls were brief and, occur- and occurred only when Vera was home alone. However, one day, Jacob, Dorothy's father, picked up and the call stopped. And I wrote, cowardly piece of shit. <laughs> like, he was obviously targeting vulnerable women. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So once Dorothy remains were found, the phone call started again. Uh, so the police p- 
put a voice recording at the Scott rest or voice recorder at the Scott residence, but they were not able to trace the call since the calls were always so brief. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in June twelfth, nineteen eighty, a possible motive surfaced. An anonymous man called the front desk at the Orange County Register, which is a newspaper, I believe, and said, "I killed her. I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love." I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. The editor told this to the police and also said that the caller knew that Dorothy's co-worker had been bitten by a spider and knew that she had changed her scarf from a black one to a red one. Oh, jeez. Yeah. The caller also claimed that Dorothy had called him that night at the hospital, but one of her co-workers disputed that, saying that she had been with Dorothy the entire time and Dorothy never made a phone call. Hmm. So something I wanted to talk about are stalking laws, because stalking laws are actually relatively new. So Dorothy Scott was obviously being stalked, and she was feeling threatened by this man who wouldn't let her live her life. And many people may think, why didn't she call the police when she was getting these calls? But that's because stalking laws weren't put in place in the United States until 1990. I believe it. Yeah, uh, which is insane. I think it should have been placed a long time ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... So if she had called the police, they really the police couldn't have done anything because no laws have been broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I researched stalking laws in other countries. In Canada, didn't have stalking laws until 1993, mm-hmm. and Australia didn't have stalking laws until 1994. However, in Australia now, you don't have to feel like your life is in danger for you to char- like charge someone with stalking. That's good. Yeah, which like, why would you want to be stalked anyway? That's yeah creepy as hell. Um, please don't stalk us. Yeah, please don't stalk us. Like, that's, like, you're getting phone calls of, like, this is what you did this afternoon. This is what you're wearing right now. Go outside. Like, you don't even feel safe in your own home. I mean, like, I'm flattered, but please don't. (laughs) I'm flattered, but no. You have better things to do. I'm not that interesting. (laughs) Like, honestly. Yeah. I stalked you. You were on your computer all day. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. Wow. You're watching Shane Dawson conspiracy theory videos all day. Yeah, that's my life. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so, yes, that was the disappearance of Dorothy Jane Scott, but it just completely scared me so much. Like, I'd never lived in a time when we didn't have stalking laws. Yeah. Uh, but still, it, even now, it's hard to, like, yeah. prove it. Yes. Um, but at least if, like, we can prove it, it could stop lives from being taken. Uh, and there's, like, documentaries and, like, in forensic files and stuff, there's always, like, oh, this person's being stalked and no one does anything about it and it eventually leads to murder. Mm Mm-hmm. So, also, if you think you're being stalked, like, tell someone. Yeah. Yeah, like, don't just brush it off because some people do. Like, as soon as you feel uncomfortable, just tell someone. Yeah, and if you can, like, keep any evidence that you can think of. Yeah. Phone records, Snapchat records. Mm-hmm. Like, I know if I felt like I was being stalked and, like, let's say Ian wasn't home, I would probably call him and I'd call my dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, Yeah, I was listening to Wine and Crime today. And their newest episode was about campus crimes. Oh, yeah. And one of them was this girl who was being stalked. And she ended up... She told campus police that they didn't do anything. And she was murdered, like, 
four days later or something like that. Yeah. She was dead. And I was just thinking, like, I don't know. I don't think it was mentioned in the story, but I was like, man, if if I was being creeped out like that, like, I would have told my mom. Yeah, like, I know, like, I would have told my dad because, I like, I know my dad... And sometimes it can be kind of annoying. Sorry, Dad, I love you. But, uh, like, he's very protective, right? So I know if I'm like, hey, Dad, I'm being stalked, he's going to do something about it. Yeah. So, thank you, Father. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's super creepy. I, like, think about that actually kind of often, like. Being stalked? Yeah, like, what if somebody's stalking me? But then I remember how, like, boring and mundane I am. (laughs) Uh, be careful. And if you want to stalk someone, don't. Please go get help. And that's all from Sandy. <laughs> Spooky. Yeah, terrifying. Oh, true Scary. crime gets me. Like, there's one thing with paranormal, because I can avoid going to haunted houses. I can avoid summoning demons, but murder is a little different. But, yeah, that kind of leads into my case. So, oh, uh, yes. So, it was one hot day, January 26th of 1966. That changed the lifestyles of Australian families all over the country. First, the irony of saying that January 26th is a hot day. They are obviously <laughs> on the other side of the earth from us. Because oh, I would I tell wish. you, January 26th is probably the coldest fucking day in Honestly, Canada. Honestly, January and February is always so fucking cold. It's probably blizzarding in Canada. We're on probably January dying. 26th. Probably. We probably can't get out of our houses probably. because the doors are snowed in. We sure as hell can't use our cars because the streets are pure snow. Yeah. We need snow boats. Hmm. I'm just imagining Sandy and Shazne in their snow boat. Invisible snowmobile. (laughs) Snow boat mobile. I love it. (laughs) Okay. It was one hot day, January 26th of 1966, that changed the lifestyles of Australian families all over the country forever. This was the day that three children from Adelaide, Australia, went missing during a trip to the beach. So, these were the Beaumont children. Jane, who was nine, she was the eldest. Arna, who was seven. And Grant, who was four. They vanished without a trace on a carefree trip to Adelaide's crowded... Glengilge Beach. I can't say this <laughs> word. I don't know what Australia this... email us. Glenilge Glenilge Beach. I have no idea. Glenilge. We're Canadian, sorry. Glenilge. I don't know. Some beach. Near Adelaide. Uh they've been missing ever since. This is a case that still gets tips and new leads to this day, with a one million dollar reward being offered as of twenty eighteen. Damn. Yeah, and they're still looking into this case. Apparently, I didn't look into this, but I read that um, in South Australia, they have this rule where any unsolved potential murder case is never actually, like, closed. But, like, they never, say like, keep it as a cold case? Yeah, they won't just, like, close it and not touch it again. They continuously... I like that. Yeah, because there's been lots of times where, like, somebody went missing a long time ago, but then with new technology or whatever yeah. we can figure it out now or yeah you know yeah good job australia i like that yeah i like australia so, so do i let's australia. go australia right after mexico i want to go so bad i want to move there so uh if there's any single australians listening to this please marry me so i can <laughs> move there 
<laughs> okay, so this beach that I am not going to try to say again was a very popular place for children of Adelaide to go on the nice days since it was no it was very close nearby. Um, the Beaumont children lived not too far away with their father Jim and mother Nancy, and they took a five-minute bus ride to the beach by themselves since Jane was considered old enough to take care of the others at the time. So this was, you know, back in the old days where uh, your nine-year-old sister could take you to the beach because... Sounds like my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> because, um... This was before people were scared to let their kids out of the house. Yes. This was just the society. And this was Every... way before stalking laws. Like, people watched your children. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was back when society, like, took care of each other and, yeah. you know, they The thought of anything other. bad happening was just like, no, that happens no. to other people, not to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was around this time that, like, this case and a few others really changed um, the whole... Com- like um the whole country that people were began to be scared let their kids out of the house yeah yeah happens everywhere unfortunately yes it does <laughs> yeah um so they took this five minute bus ride to the beach they had actually taken a very similar trip the day before as well so this wasn't out of the ordinary for the family at all they had left at 8.45 a.m. and were supposed to be back at 12 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Those were the two bus times for the bus ride back. But they never came home that day. Um, when their dad got home at 3, the mother told him, and uh, the dad went and jumped in the car and went to the beach to find them. They couldn't find them. They kind of drove around the block and the area, and they couldn't find the kids, so they went to the police. The police began an investigation right away, and a countrywide alert was put out, but nothing really came about it. Which, good on them for, you know, the police getting involved so quickly. Oh, there's definitely. so many cases where the police are like, oh, they just ran away because they're, you know, an angsty teenager. And then the kid's, like, dead. Because yeah. they didn't do anything. And, like, there's, like, laws against that now. Mm-hmm. Like, they, we have, like, the Amber Alert yeah. is made because of... Yeah. Yeah. Because of that. Like, they even have, like, I work at a grocery store, and, uh, like, we even have protocols if a child has gone missing. Like, we basically shut down the whole store, and we all look for this kid, so yeah. Which is, like, great. I know there were times that I've been lost in a grocery store and wish I had something like that, but... Yeah, like, fair. It's... Exactly. It's, like, preventative. Mm -hmm. It's good. So, another interesting thing is none of the objects that the children had that day, which I think was about 17 objects, you know, stuff like beach towels and their swimsuits and everything, those objects have never been found. That's weird, yeah. Several witnesses had seen the three children at the beach with a tall, blonde, tanned, thin-faced man. Tall and blonde. He's probably alien. With a athletically built body on the day of their disappearance. Okay, like seriously, totally aliens, because like... Were they thirsty? Probably. I mean, it's Australia. It's really hot. Yeah. I would assume so. But anyways. Did, but did the kids give them water? The real question. That is the real question. We need the answer to that question. Okay. Um, they were also spotted in two other places, including a bakery where they had been there before with their mother. So the person that was working there found it really weird, but they weren't with their mom. 
Um, and they had more money than their mother had given them that morning. So the mother had given them just enough for their bus fare. Mm-hmm. And they had, like, um, I think she gave them uh, six shell- shellings. Is that what's called? Shillings? 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 I think it's shillings. shillings. I'm Canadian. I don't know this stuff. Let us know. <laughs> Email us. Those, those who know. Is it shillings? Shellings? I think it's shillings, but... yeah. I think I so. could be wrong. Shilling, shillings. Anyway, they had six of those, and then uh, when they got to this bakery, they had one euro. They had more money, which is kind of suspicious, and leads people to believe that maybe someone, being you know the tall blonde dude, gave them more money. Um, they were also seen on a road by a postman who knew them, uh, and he said that they were heading in the direction of their house at about three p.m. But the postman called a few days later to change his story. He said that he actually seen them in the morning. Interesting. Weird. Very weird. That's a very... That's sketchy. ...odd detail. Um, and another lady reported several months later that she had seen three children and a man enter an empty house on the lot beside hers, uh, which she thought nobody lived in, and then the boy got out in the back alley or something and he was running away and the man chased after him and caught him and went, they went back to the house. She didn't bother to report this at all, but the next day, the all the kids and the man were gone. Weird. Really weird. Yeah. Why didn't you report that until several months later? Yeah, know, especially like if you suspicious. knew that was going on. Yeah. Yeah, that's super like, weird. I don't know. It shouldn't have taken you months. Yeah. In 1966, a man named Gerard Croset was brought in from the Netherlands. Wait, is it just Netherlands or the Netherlands? I think it's Netherlands. Okay. Well, that's what it says on our thing. It does. But everybody says Um, the Netherlands. Listeners from Netherlands, the Netherlands, email us. Please let us know. Yeah, let us know. We really don't know anything about the world. (laughs) I'm Texan, maybe. Yeah, she might be. Uh, Unconfirmed. <laughs> it's up for debate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Gerard Crosset, he was said to be a parapsychologist and psychic, but his story was never consistent. He mm. thought the children were buried under a building, and the public's, and the public convinced the owners to, mo- to demolish the building to uproot the children that he believed Jesus. was under there. But nothing was found. Classic. Yeah, it was actually like a public fundraiser. They raised like 40000 something. I don't know, the euros, dollars, who knows. But yeah, they... Yeah, like, and that also says a lot about how desperate people were to find them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um... So there had been a few letters written to the family... One was of a man who said he had the children and was willing to give them back. He set up a place to meet, and the Beaumonts, who were followed by a detective, went for the children, but no one was there when they got there. A little while later, there was a letter written from an apparent Jane, who said that the man had changed his mind because he seen the detective with the kids. Which is interesting. Yeah. Like, there had actually been a letter from Jane before this, too. Mm -hmm. Um, They just... They kind of think that it could be Jane because, um, or they thought, they thought it could be Jane because the writing was very similar 
And the fact that this person that wrote the second letter, like, knew that there was a detective there with, with the family, I find interesting because yeah. I'm, I don't think that they would put that in the papers. But in 1992, the letters were proven to be faked by a teenager. Ugh, don't do that. I know you're angsty. I was angsty too, but that's just mean. Actually, I'm still angsty and I would never do that. So there have also been tips and developments as late as 2016 and 2018. The latest being two men who said they had been paid to dig a hole nearby where the girls, or the family, had lived when they were boys. But the, um, so they went to this place where these guys said that they had, like, dug this hole and the excavation only showed up, uh, animal bones, nothing Mm. else. So weird. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But it like there's like I guess technology that can prove whether or not like um there had been digging there and like they had dug. Yeah. It's just it ended up being bones. Could they have thought it was human bones, but it was just animal bones? Well they they were just like paid to dig a hole. And oh, they okay. thought, Okay, maybe we had paid and paid to dig this hole for a body. They weren't sure. Could be, yeah. That's a fair thing to think. But, like, it could have just been, they just, this person paid them to dig a hole and put in a bunch of dead animals for whatever reason. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so I'll go over a few suspects in the case. Um, one being Bevan Pence. I'm actually not sure if that's his name. I think my phone auto-corrected it. Oh, but whatever. He's he's a bad guy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, being some suspects include Bevan Pence von Einem, which my phone kept wanting to change Einem to Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> like no, not him. Whom and he was put away for a murder of a fifteen-year-old boy. He's also been suspected of being a part of many other murders. He resembles the description of the man from the beach, and there was a claim of a conversation where he had admitted to taking the children, performing a gruesome surgery on them, mm-hmm. then burying, the, burying them in bushland south of Adelaide. There's also news footage with a man who resembled Bevan that had been found in 2007. Still, there is not enough evidence to convict him. So yeah, he was like in the background with some news footage of like the case. So they're like... And mm. you know how they say, like, criminals always come back to see their crime? Yeah. So they're like, why is this guy here? Yeah, but, weird. Um, yeah, he sounds awful, and I hope to hell this isn't what happened to the children. Yeah. Because it sounds so bad. How he described it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't even know if I should say it. <laughs> well, we, like, the podcast is, like, there's a, an explicit warning. Do you want to give a warning, or do you oh, just not want to say it? We do have an explicit warning. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um... We're about to talk about some gruesome shit, so turn away if you don't want well, to. Well, yeah, this ahead. is what this guy claims. So, like, he said that he performed this gruesome surgery on them, where, like, he, like, cut them and sewed them together. Ooh. And then one of the kids died during the surgery. Yeah, no shit. So then he killed all of them and buried them. Did he say why? No. He just did it? No, but he had killed a 15-year-old boy, and I'm pretty sure they said that he had, like, fixations on kids. Ew. Okay. 
And they, like, suspect that he's a part of a few other different children murders as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot more on him if you want to look that up. Bevan Pence von Einem in Australia. <laughs> I think he was the one they said he was part of the family murders. Ooh. So that might be interesting to look into, listeners. Yeah, that definitely would. So another was Arthur Stanley Brown, who had killed two young sisters by strangulation. He was also similar to the description of the man on the beach, and interestingly enough, he had access to government files, which means he could have deleted anything that could have placed him in Adelaide that day, so like employment records, like things saying that he worked there. Uh, He is also suspected... He's also been... He is also a suspect in uh, a few other several murders and cases yeah a claim said that alan anthony monroe showed up one day at alan mcintyre's house with the bodies of three children so these are just more suspects yeah um there was a children's diary that put monroe in the (laughs) <laughs> the beach that I can't pronounce, Gleelage area at the time, but there was no evidence to support these claims. And this um, Alan Anthony Monroe had also been proven to have been a, pedof- a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why he was a suspect as well. Then there's Harry Phipps who was a man who lived near the Beaumont children. He actually lived, like, within blocks. He owned a property near Adelaide, and a ground-penetrating radar showed a disturbance in the soil one meter square feet, so, like, a meter by meter. Yeah. Um, in Sizbut. (laughs) I don't know what this word's supposed to be. Here, let's see. Oh, it's in size. Oh. (laughs) But after an (laughs) excavation... Nothing was found. Another excavation happened this year, but again, nothing was found. So that was the property that they okay. were looking at in February of 2018. Um, yeah, he's high on the suspect list. I read another claim that said that um, his house was, like, raided or something, like, reporters or something. And um, they found the mother's that the kids had had that day hmm. in the house but when the wife his wife was questioned about it the the purse disappeared afterwards weird very weird fishy considering nothing from these kids had been found and somebody claims that they've seen the purse at his house so weird and interestingly enough this one's really weird there had also been a children's TV show where they had a shot of the audience, mm-hmm. and it showed someone who looked exactly like Jane Beaumont, so the eldest sister. Um, the TV show was contacted to find the identity of the girl, since they had everybody's names and address, because they like sent out prizes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they said when they tried to send her a prize, they couldn't because her name was faked and her address didn't exist. Weird. Yeah. And, like, apparently the parents had seen her on the show. Like, they'd seen the footage and they cl- like they were like, that's our daughter. Like, there's no doubt about it. She looks exactly the same. 
and they checked all the like the backgrounds of all the people and she was the only one with a fake name and fake address yeah that's completely bizarre and that just gives me goosebumps it's so weird yeah i don't even know and finally, more recently, someone came out and said that their father had seen the children with three adults on the day of their disappearance on one of the street corners, not too far from the beach. Um, they had seen the three kids with a woman in a blue pattern dress, the thin-faced blonde man, and another man uh, he recognized as someone from the racing stables. Um, and others had come... Others came forward to confirm his claim, saying that they had also seen the three kids with these three adults. So, yeah, that's the case of the missing Beaumont children in Australia. So many thoughts, so many feelings. Yeah, it's such an odd case. There's so many witnesses of the children nearby on that day, or even, yeah. like, years later. Um, there's been no real leads. It's a, it's a mystery damn and it's still exactly that a mystery and the case isn't closed obviously like they're still looking like it's 2018 this happened over 50 years ago and they're still digging up holes because they they heard that maybe the children are there like i hope that I, like, I, I hope nothing bad happened to them. Yeah, same. Like, they were children. Child abductions are so scary to me. Well, because there's so many things that could happen. Yeah. And within ch- where, with child abduction, the first three hours are critical because if a person is abducting a child to kill them, they will kill them within the first three hours. Yeah. Because, like, why would they waste time doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's scary. That was, like, my biggest fear as a child. Yeah, it's so scary. So I think we picked pretty good stories this week. Yeah. I think we're both thoroughly spooked and need to lie down. Yeah, it's, it's scary. <laughs> Stalkers and abductions. No thanks. Especially when, like, they just don't add up. There's just this one missing piece that they just never found. No. It's just wild. And, like, they didn't, they never even found the children's bodies. Like, they could still be alive. They could. Well, like, I find it interesting. Like, I, throughout the whole thing, I would just assume that they're dead. Because, statistically, the longer children are missing, the more likely it is that they've died. Yeah. But, like, they saw their daughter on TV. Yeah. Why would they put her on TV and then not or like or and then kill her yeah and i think that case where the man had seen them with the three adults like that was at 7 p.m that night so it was past the three hours yeah like it could have been like a sex trafficking i thought of that too which is horrifying that's like another fear of mine because it happens everywhere yeah and it's so common like it's more common than people think so that's my theory on that. Yeah, when it comes to true crime, I think like missing children is like uh, one of my like soft spots. 
I know. Like, again, neither one of us particularly like children, but, like, they're vulnerable. And maybe it's because we were children at one point. Yeah. We had those fears yeah. that it gets to us. I think so. Yeah. It, it was a fear of mine as a kid. Just, like, yeah. Though, <laughs> something kind of funny is that as a kid, like, obviously I didn't know things about sex trafficking. I didn't think anyone was going to murder me. But <laughs> my fear was I would get abducted. And I would somehow forget all about my mom and my dad yeah. and, like, my, my whole family. And I would just have to live in this house with a new mom and a new dad. That was my biggest fear was that I would become part like of a Coraline. different family, basically. <laughs> except, like, like my thought was, like, this these people really want kids, so they just take them. Oh, my gosh. And that was, like, a big fear that I mean, I'd that ha- happens, before. though. Like, that does happen. Like, there's the J.C. Duggard case where she was just taken by this man and his wife, and she had to live in the, in the, um, in the backyard. Like, in, oh, weird. Did you hear about this? Maybe. It sounds familiar. It's like my favorite movie. My favorite movie? No, it's not. My, my favorite. favorite. <laughs> we are not sponsored by my favorite movie. <laughs> this isn't the murder. No. Um, she survived, luckily. But yeah, she lived there for 18 years, yeah. I think. She... Like, see, I never knew things like that happened. I just assumed I would be yeah. living in this house like, like I would at my own house. The Lovely I Bones, just... but she was actually murdered. Oh, yeah. But then there's also Room. Did you read Room? I, I did not. I was, I, <laughs> my mom lost it at the movie. She could not it's, get through it. I know, I feel... But it's... This is pretty similar to the JC case where this lady was abducted, but and she had to live in this this shed. It, wow. She just called it room, and she um her abductor got her pregnant because yeah. he raped her, and um so she had this baby or this child in this room, and that's all he ever knew was room. Yeah. Oh my god, the book is so oh. good because it's like written from his perspective. Yeah, like it's I've insane. started it, I've just never finished it. I think I, I listened to the audiobook. I've heard the audiobook is really good. Maybe I'll yeah. try the audiobook because I find there's certain books the audiobook works better. Yeah. Like Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I couldn't get through the book, but the audiobook was amazing. Oh, I'll have to listen to that because I wanted to read it, but it's I, just, really I good. couldn't get into the book. No, neither could I, but the audiobook, there was just something about it. It was so good. I don't even want to watch the movie because I think it looks bad. It was actually really good was it it okay. was like it I'll didn't do it didn't do the book justice it was a lot different but i enjoyed it it was really cute so i think that concludes this week's episode <laughs> i think we're both a little traumatized right now yeah you know it's it's a lot different having the podcast than just listening to someone else tell you stories like i get it now yeah like, researching them and, like, being stuck with your thoughts and having to talk about them is a lot different Mysteries are hard, too, listening. because there's no answer. I know. That's kind of stuff that keeps you up at night. Yep, definitely. Um, okay, well, check us out on Instagram at The Woods Podcast. Yeah, tweet us at Woods Podcast. And don't forget our email, thewoodspodcast at gmail.com. We have a blog, thewoodspodcast.home.blog. Uh, we'd like to thank Jason Shaw for our wonderful opening, Running Waters. Yeah. Have a spooky rest of your day or rest of your night. Hopefully you can get a good night's sleep. We won't. We won't be. Um, yeah. Also, it's my birthday in two days. Please email. Well, I guess by the time you've heard this. It's not my birthday. It's so ha- two days past my birthday. Happy belated birthday to Sandy. Yeah. 
please. I love my birthday. I'm turning 22 like that Taylor Swift She's song. She's gonna be old. Oh, so old. I'm older, but you know. I'm the older twin. Yeah. She was born six months ahead of me. Six months. That was a hard labor. Yeah. For our mother, on a, I've heard. On Spook Bridge. On Spook Bridge in Texas. <laughs> so. Yeah. We'll see you later. Bye.